Hello, and welcome to Unsheet with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 38. We're live in our indiscreet and disclosed underground mountain location. Uh, we have a... I'm, I'm here as always as... I'm Kyle Gold. And I am uh, Cam Hirosaki, back again after uh, a whirlwind tour of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, we have a... We have a special guest nowhere near the studio with us tonight. Uh, or am us. I? Because I'm also in a undiscreet, dis- undisclosed place thing. I'm foosball. This is this is foosball joining us from from uh, the other side of a country and an ocean, or something. And uh, through the magic of technology, yes, he is with us. Sweet, sweet technology. I, I'm I'm just. Watching the otter try to treat his microphone like it's a uh, tasty fish. Yes. Fish. That's Warsome. all. I do like my fish. 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 <laughs> um, it's part of my baller name, even. It is. K-Fish? That's right. K-Fish. Um, oh, Foos is um, not only an excellent writer... He's uh, part of our Cupcakes project, which um, uh-huh. his book will be um, appearing probably this later. fall. Is that right? Mm. Yes, later. Later, at some mm. point in the future. Yes. And uh, Under a discreet, undisclosed date. Discreet, yes. <laughs> well, we'll have to disclose it at some point if we want people to actually buy the thing. Do we want people to buy the thing? Uh, that's Wouldn't the, that, you know, that's the ideal the outcome. History? You, but then I'm not an artist anymore. Then I've sold out to the like the fandom. Yeah, but you've already had something published in Heat, so you've kind of uh, sold out true. already. Yeah, there's something all true. three of us have in common. Yeah, we've all been published in Heat. Uh huh. We've all been in Heat. We're like a brotherhood. <laughs> we are a triumvirate. Yes, something, something or another. We are triumvirs. <laughs> um. I'll, I'll expand our listeners' vocabulary with that one. Triumvirs? Yes. It's a real word. I'm not making it up. I believe you. There are plenty <laughs> of freaky words that you don't have to be making words up. That's right. Like vorophilia. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that was made up, yeah. though. <laughs> I mean, it was constructed with linguistic rules, but it wasn't a word before furries needed it to be one. <laughs> If it had not existed, it would have been necessary to invent it. Oh, wait, it didn't, and it was. Then they had to go and uh, create endosomatophilia to cover the whole thing about not just vor, but, like, anything that involves being inside someone else. Does that cover... I don't want to have this conversation. Why are we talking about this? (laughs) This is your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry I'm the language nerd and the... Ink specialist, I guess. Jeez, you don't kick have me to, off the show already. You don't have to be. You don't have to apologize for the language thing. Um, but yeah, jeez. Anyway, anyway um, has also had uh, things published in other locations. Yes, 
Uh, he is working on a weekly comic strip with an artist whose name I would mangle, so I'm going to let you say it. Tanzenlicht. Tanzenlicht. Hi, Tanzi. Um, and where else have you been published? Um, in the fandom, I'm in New Fables 3 with an SM, and New Fables, the next, I think, is four. Um, places outside the fandom, which remain outside the fandom. Um, that's about it. What happens outside the fandom stays outside, stays the, outside fandom. the fandom. <laughs> but cool. As you can probably tell, I write more than I speak. <laughs> um, but you're you're also trying to um, sell gonna... your story that was in Heat separately. Yes, yes, because they didn't want the electronic rights. So I thought, okay, let me try and see if I can do something with them. And you've done so... some cool stuff with that. Yeah, that's at sinisbeautiful.com, which is still very much an experimental work in progress that I experiment with experimentally. In progress. Yes. Well, excellent. So one of the reasons we brought Foos on to this show is, well, first of all, because we've been wanting to have him on the show for a few months now. And he has an adorable laugh. He does. Yes. And he has an excellent accent. Thank you. But um, but also the the questions that we're going to be answering and the emails we're going to be reading tonight all sort of deal with uh, publication, getting your work out into the into the world, out of your mom's basement, as it were, <coughs> and uh, getting other people to read them and ideally pay for them. If you love your writing, set it free, but make sure somebody gets you money to do it. Yes, <laughs> set it free, but not for free. Yes. I'll pay $50 for one. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Five million dollars. And I just posed for the mic, damn it. <laughs> you can't see And from that. the wrong skit, too. I know, I realized after you were done, I was like, wait, that, was, that wasn't what you were doing. No. But, um, damn it, I fail. So we're going to so talk a little bit about People getting their works out there into the world. And uh, I know there was something else I was going to say about that. Oh, and Foos is also here to provide uh, hacksaws and black tales of despair to counteract our sunny positivity. Yes. Because yeah, if people know me for anything, it's for sunny positivity. Well, as long as you're not writing a story. That's true. As soon yeah. as my, my paws hit the keyboard, it's misery and despair and ejaculation ahoy. <laughs> One of these wow. days, I am going to catalog all my stories and like see, okay, could you consider this happy or unhappy? And like put them on a scale, and I will see how much of my reputation is deserved and how much is undeserved. Well, what you have to do is you have to put tags on all of them, but you also have to weight stories by how broad a distribution they got like if they're on uh, gift star or something how many favorites do they have and then weight them that way because it might be that you just had like two really depressing stories but they were the ones that everybody liked the best and so that's how you got your reputation so you know how mm. people say like oh you have to suffer for your art other people have to suffer from my art <laughs> or as uh uh what was the guy's name was it neil innes who did who did some of the music with monty python Oh, I don't know. He, he introduced one of his songs by saying, Ladies and gentlemen, I've suffered for my music. Now it's your turn. <laughs> uh, okay. I like that, though. 
Well, you know, Hirosaki has just, you know, sort of made the little death that little bit more depressing. Yes. Oh. La petite mort. La not so petite mort. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when you get off so hard you knock yourself into a coma? <laughs> Boys and girls, um, don't don't ever have don't sex try like this that. At home. Yeah. yeah, don't. Uh, so this is usually the point of show where we would talk about what we're working on, but I'm in between finishing out of position two and picking it up again to look at it, and, I've and been, I'm still working on my little novel project that I don't know what I'm going to do with. Yeah, but um, I am working on it. I'm I'm working on my I think it's my fourth novella for. Sunny address with um, Troy and Jennifer, but I don't think you guys would really care. Sniff, sniff, haughty misery. No, oh, we like the Sunny address. Yeah. Mm. Troy, yes, I'm working on that. Troy and Jennifer are a uh, are a couple with a, at least as dysfunctional as anything in a Hirosaki story. Yeah, and like seriously, like if you look at my bookshelves and the book I the books I read, the vast majority are not about guys having sex. <laughs> Are you sure? Though, I'm positive. To be to be fair, that's because kind of the vast majority of books available are not about guys having sex. So there's also not a whole lot of guys having sex in Star Wars. Not in the books. <laughs> People have fixed that, you know, as a sort of aftermarket modification. Yes, that is t- after. Wow, I like that. <laughs> that's a term I'm gonna have to remember. You take your standard Obi Wan Kenobi and just give it a few tweaks. <laughs> <laughs> what you do is you this one comes it. with the undercoat and <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've made Kit shake his head now <laughs> seems like he's been spending too much time in Obi-Wan's outer rim I mean out in the outer rim with Obi-Wan <laughs> oh dear straight to hell that's where I'm going when I die oh yeah mm-hmm. well Okay. Let's um so, let's start off with a couple questions. Okay. Do you uh do you want me to read the first one? Yeah, why not, why uh, don't you read the first one? So okay. You like reading about Tales Curled High. That's right I do. Hello again, awesome writer Fox and Otter. Tis your friendly neighborhood artsy snow leopard Xavian writing in for the first time. Yeah, Xavian. Hey Xavian. Mm-hmm. We met him at Rain First where he did a sketch. During our live show and presented it to us, I think during the live show. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, we have it up on FA. It was just sort of yeah. like a oh hello, it burns my eyes. It's yes, our, if you go to our FA page, it's right yes, there. Yes, yes, it does. And then he colored it afterwards. Yeah, and it got even better. It's our favorite piece of fan art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our only piece Continue. of fan art, but it's still our favorite. Does the, does our little CD label count as fan art? I guess that was specifically requested well, for us, so it's not really fan art. No, that's true, but it was Bobby's idea, so that kind of counts. You can actually uh, see the little uh, white patches of fur on the inside of your thighs. I know. <coughs> hey. TMI. I, con- I spent hours trying to position it so that you would see that white packet of fur. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Per Kyle's recommendation. Uh-huh. Okay. Getting back on to Xavian's email. First off, let me start uh, by saying bravo. Oh, and this is where he bows in respect with his tail curled high. I love the podcast. As you know, I am not a writer per se, but it's not hard to take the volumes of excellent advice and adapt it to the world of art, as it is just another way to tell a story. Thank you. So thank you, and please keep up the great work. 
Also, I'm very happy to hear you will both be invading Rainforest again. I don't know if we're really considered a sovereign nation that can invade. But, no, uh, especially since they asked us to come back. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you're like a sort of special forces mercenary outfit. Special forces. Special forces. <laughs> um, Mercenaries. I'm going to hang myself. Uh, <laughs> last year was great. Yes, it was. Uh, and I was privileged to be in your first live show. I will have to do more arts for you this year as well. Well, Ooh. if it's anything like the art you did last year, we would certainly welcome it. And now on to the question. I would ask him for an after picture, but I think he already gave us the after picture. <laughs> and now on to the question. Lately, I have found the great world of patio books. For those who do not know what they are, they are audiobooks in podcast format. Most are free, and most are read by the authors. Their popularity is growing exponentially, and most have sponsors. So the logical question here is, have either of you thought about putting your, bo- your works in patio book format? You both have great reading voices, and I know that many would flock to download all that you put up. Something to think about. And in case you were wondering, I even found a furry novel as a patio book. It's called Outcast, and it's quite good. So there it is. When next we meet, I will hear a sake a glass of wine and Kyle a Coke Zero. That'll probably be at Rainforest. You'll know where to find us. I'm, I'm glad people know my our drinking preferences. That's true. <laughs> now, what does he owe me? Mm. Mm. Well, you haven't established a drink. What are you drinking true. right now? Um, water. Okay. And he owes you a yeah. water. Yeah. I, I uh, have to say, actually, not to disappoint my fans, I'm actually not drinking wine tonight. I'm just drinking decaf coffee. Although I did go to a uh, a wine tasting earlier today. It was a two dollar. So bring back up. <laughs> It was a $2 wine tasting, and then I ended up spending $20 because I Ew. bought two $9 bottles of wine afterwards. Well, they didn't so apply like, $2 of the tasting to the bottles of wine? Uh, no, but they did give us a coupon for the wine that ended up being $2 <laughs> off. Did, wow, so it's like the frugal drunkard. <laughs> I'm not a drunkard. It was Sauvignon Blanc. Nobody gets He's drunk a of Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> Anyhow, thanks for taking the time to read this, and I will make it a point to write in more often should you care to hear from this kitty. Your friendly spotted furball, Zabian. Of course, we always want to hear from Zabian. Yeah. We're especially interested uh, because, as you say, you're not a writer, and, you know, we're always interested in how artists take our advice and run with it and use it to create better art. Mm. I suspect that most of what he's talking about is stuff like process, like, you know, make time to do the creative work you need to do and stuff like that. Uh But anyway, um, Fuz, you actually have a good reading voice too. Have you ever thought about doing a patio book? Um, no, and I never will. The end. Um, (laughs) actually I, I, I have a problem with, uh, you know, with patio books because I just don't know that many people who listen to them. Most people I know who, who are really into their fiction read it. And I think, Personally, I'm just like an opinionated mean guy. But I just think, you know, having something read to you versus reading it yourself is, is a very different thing. They are very different experiences. I, can, I, I will admit that. That's true. Although I will say we've kind of been dabbling in potty books on this podcast. As mm. Three times now we've just read stories and yeah. then there's two more that are on the DVD should people show up at conventions where we're selling them and buy it. Yeah, they're not really books, but they are just audio stories. They're audio stories, yeah. I mean, my feeling on it is there's a very small number of audiobooks that I enjoy listening to. Um, the Harry Potter ones are great. That's where that's where I received my Jim Dale impression. Um, but uh, 
And there's a couple others that have been fun, too. I'm, I can't remember them offhand. The, oh, the Golden Compass books were pretty good. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, my feeling is there's some – the way people live these days, it's so hard to get people to pick up and read anything that if you can provide something in a format that allows people to experience your story while they're in the car on the way to work or while they're at the gym or while they're jogging in the park or while they're preparing dinner or – while they're hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Whatever you're else. Implying that, you're implying that our audience goes to work, jogs in the park, goes to the gym, cooks dinner. Are you sure we're talking about furries here? <laughs> there's, there's, Kyle does all of those things. Yeah, there's, yes, but he's a mutant from beyond time. <laughs> I did ask you not to say that. He came here in a TARDIS. Um, a Type 40 TARDIS. You know, there's, a, there's a whole segment of... Uh, muscle furs that spend like full work weeks at the gym. Um, True. And there are furs that do things like, you know, really boring code and stuff that they don't have to engage the creative parts of their minds for. Um, or just, you know, playing wow when they can focus True. on smashing whatever's in front of them while they're listening to a furry story about gay foxes having sex. <laughs> Or, or sex. straight mice and thylacines having sex, too. That works. <laughs> I'm told. Thank you for uh, the demographic shout-out. <laughs> I'm, I'm told that the boy-girl thing works. I don't really quite believe it, but... Well, I have seen it in movies and in books. <laughs> yeah, but in movies, it's all sort of soft camera and, you know, close-ups of skin with sweat rolling off it, and they, I don't believe they're actually doing anything. I just think they threw him in a sauna and put a sheet of gauze over the camera and just said, roll around for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Asaka's kind of flustered. Um, no, I'm more just like, how, how can... How, I don't know if I'm disappointed in you or just... <laughs> See, uh, now you are flustered. Why would you be disappointed? Were you particularly terrified of the Sarlacc pit scene in Return of the Jedi the first time you saw that movie? <laughs> no. Okay. You could have fooled me. Anyway, so we've, there are people who listen to audiobooks. We've established that. Yeah, I mean, there's people, basically the people who listen to this podcast probably would listen to, I mean, they definitely mm -hmm. listen to the stories we record. And um, I, I can only imagine that they would be up for listening to audiobooks, too. So yeah. um, I guess the, the question is, have we thought about putting works into format? Yeah, and we've actually been talking with SoFWolf about doing some audiobook stuff, which is not quite the same, but, you know, comes down to the same thing. Except it, I guess, wouldn't be free. But yeah. Uh. That's the thing about, oh, like, if it's, you know, you're doing this for free, it's like, well, how much time and effort and energy can we put into doing a project that's, yeah. I mean, it would be outreach, but, I mean. Also, also, more importantly, how many other people are doing it for free? Because the fact of the matter is, is that there's, like, a billion people doing it for free, and, you know, you putting the effort in just sort of gets diluted into that whole sphere, so. Although furry itself is pretty niche, so. That's a good point. Mm. Well, the thing is, there is kind of a prestige to having something that people pay for, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, 
I think the podcast is the podcast is fun. It's kind of low stress, except for the wolf over there, and mm-hmm. and we really enjoy it. And we, I don't think we'd want to have people pay for it, but when it comes down to something like a novel, I mean, I spend a year working on each of my novels. Uh, Hirosaki-san has spent the better part of a year just working on this second draft of the one he's working on. Mm. I mean, didn't you start that back in like August, September-ish? No, it was later than that. I think I started it actually in uh, November. Was it November? Because I was originally just going to publish it as a short story and I wanted to get it out by Christmas. Oh, that's still been half a year. Yeah, okay. I guess that is the better part of it, yeah. Um, and then I saw it and told him to write it as a novel. Yes. Now they're on. Now they're on a spaceship. <laughs> wow. As opposed to a dimensional. No, it's an honest to god spaceship this time. Wow. And there's this weird psychic bird thing. Look at what it did with my story when you're not looking. I know. I'm scared. And you just you didn't add any more uh, sex into it. Uh, I will let you find that out for yourself. All right. Um. Okay, so well, thank you, Xavier, for the for the letter. Actually, do you know one thing? Where it, it, I don't know if this would qualify as a patio book thing. It might, but uh, if you go to Fur Affinity, the account is a uh, Vox Zerda, V O X Z E R D A. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Saverin's new Saverin's thing that he's audio doing. Audio count, yeah. yeah. Okay, there's also um, Anthro Dreams, Anthropomorphic Dreams. Yes, that oh, that's right too. I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah, actually, me I here. actually have a CD of it. Yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthro Dreams. Uh, I would just look up Anthro Dreams. I don't know their website offhand. I think it's you can probably. I think you can find it through iTunes. If it's you just something org. It. It's anthrodreams.org or anthropomorphicdreams.org. Is it, or is, it, is it? Is it? No, Anthromedia is. The, is that Flane's thing? Yeah, that was yeah. Flane thing. Flane's thing. Mm. Yeah, but Anthro Dreams is on iTunes too, isn't yeah. it? And I think they have an FA account. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, check them out. I mean, the question was, are would you think of doing it? And only so, the stories that we're already doing for yeah. me. Yeah, which we have fun, but yeah. we're kind of limited to stories that take between. I guess my last one was nineteen and a half minutes to maybe only a little over an hour. Yeah. Um, and also the only, I don't have anything longer than that to put up except for the thing I'm writing right now, which isn't even done yet. So, although you did yeah. have an idea that we should do sort of a extemporaneous porn story on as one of the podcast episodes one time, which I think was amusing more because I think it would be a, train wreck that would <laughs> did i have that idea yes that was, was your I idea. sober yeah well i don't know you, you're drinking wine but mm. that usually you're still sober yeah um mm. but i think that would be i think it would be fun not because it would come out as a good story but it would show kind of how hard it is to create a new story and i think also we'd end up laughing a lot yeah trying to like imagine like looking you in the eye and then saying something like and then he Slid in under his tail slowly? No, no, little... F- my ears! Kind of fat? <laughs> uh, Foos is, Foos is not quite Oh, yeah, mental ears. note. Not not to be creating gay porn story while Foos is on the line. I'm scared. <laughs> oh, God, there was the penises. All right, all right, next letter. Um, 
So I'll I'll read the next okay. one and then Foos, if you I think you have them if you want to read. Um, yeah, I do. If you want to read the one after this am I reading one. The, um, yeah, am I, am I reading this one or the next one? I'll next read one. this one. So then okay, you read good. the next one. Right, 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 right. Hi, Foxy and Ottery Podcast, the authory critters. That covers most bases. I just have two hopefully short questions to ask you both. Firstly, as readers and writers, what is your opinion on lending published furry books slash comics to other furs to read? Do you think it's okay to lend books to others, or do you believe they should buy their own copies? Uh, secondly, again, as readers and writers, what is your opinion of the Amazon Kindle? I've been very, very tempted to buy one. I can read far better off a screen than paper. My eyes suck. However, the only things I really read are furry in nature, and there's a lack of that on the Kindle store. Kyle, I know you have a few things available via Kindle, but that's all I could find. Do you know any other furry authors who have stuff available via Kindle? I know you can upload PDFs to the Kindle. However, given how much published furry books I own, I don't think I would be able to transfer these to a Kindle. So, yeah, just after a general opinion on what you think of the Kindle and on ebook readers in general, an Australian Read and Wolf. Mm. So, firstly, is it okay to lend published furry books to other furs, or do you believe they should buy their own copies? Well, they should buy their oh, own copies and support the artists and never lend and money grubbing. We want money. Give us money. I was say, a wise man named Bill Adama once said, never lend books. But he meant that in the sense that if you give somebody a book to read, you should just give it to them and not expect it back. Right. Which I think is a sweet sentiment, but perhaps impractical, especially if you went and like got it signed and personalized to yourself. Yeah, um, and then that doesn't work so well. Yeah. Uh, is it okay to lend books and comics? I mean, sure. sure. I mean, I, I think that that's been happening since the dawn of time, since people had books to lend. Yeah. Um, it's certainly legally okay, and I don't think that's morally or ethically, uh, you know, questionable. I mean, in a niche market, you know, fandom like ourselves, where it's like, hey, we're all pretty much independent folks and whatnot. It's like, hey, you know, support the artist, and you should encourage them to buy it if they like it. But I don't think that I, I'm not going to, you know, okay. So like, if I end up publishing this thing that I keep talking about that I'm writing, if it does get published, and then I find out like, oh, hey, like you let your friend this and didn't make them buy a copy. I'm not going to beat you up at a con or anything. I'll actually just be happy if you read it. Mm. Yeah, and I think you know, in general, if you if you loan a book to someone, it lets them try it out, and if yeah. they like it, they'll end up buying it. I, I've I've had that happen a bunch of times. People would yeah. say. You know, I liked your book so much I loaned it to my friend and forced him to read it and then he went out and bought his own copy and oh. you know, I I'm all for that. Yeah. Plus I probably couldn't beat you up anyway. You can get Xavier to do it. Say that again, Foos. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, lending can beat books him up. is you know, it's it's a friendly thing. People lend their books to each other. It's it's normal. Um you know, piracy is another matter, but you know, lending your buddy a book is fine. Yeah, totally. Um so secondly, what do we think of the Amazon Kindle? You know, I'm personally not big on the whole e-reader thing. I understand that, that there's a segment of the population for which that's like an exciting and a fun thing, but I have never had the desire to own one or even really to try one to see what it's like. You hear people talking about, oh, like the physical published book is going to go away and you're only going to have, you know, these digital things. And I don't believe that for a second. Well, at I, all, I could see it happening, but I think it'll happen like 
af- long after I'm yeah, like it maybe I'm in, gone in two hundred years, not in the next ten. Because you're gonna have it's gonna have to be for a generation that's grown up with e-readers, yeah, and for whom the published books are kind of like the way we regard eight-track tapes, you know. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting medium, but we don't need it. Yeah, I mean, like I I don't even like reading stories off of a computer screen. I just if I somebody sends me a short story, if I find a short story online that I like, I print it out onto paper and read it. And like, uh, I can't imagine reading a whole book without having a book in my hands. It would just be weird. I will say that one of the selling points of the Kindle, supposedly, is that the screen doesn't read like a screen. It's supposed to really mimic the feel of reading paper. It's, so this guy shouldn't get one. Right. Well, that's what I was <laughs> going to say, too. If If you're thinking that you're going to get something that's going to be easier to read because it's going to look like a screen, the Kindle is just really going to look like paper. And maybe you should get an iPad or a um, or a Sony reader, but you know most of the things that are dedicated ebook readers. Yeah. You know, it, it might look like paper, but it's not going to feel like you're holding a book. I like the feel of paper in my hands when I'm reading something. And honestly, you know, there's a what you don't like rigid things in your hand. <laughs> there has to be some flexion. <laughs> he likes soft covers. <laughs> Wow, I'm um, so speechless. There's actually, you know, for for the price of a Kindle, you could just get a netbook or, you know, for a little bit more, you can get a cheap laptop. And there's a Kindle for PC emulation program that will allow you to purchase Kindle books, read them on your PC, and then you can also read PDFs or whatever other, you know, ebook formats people are uh, mailing out there. Yeah. There are so many ebook formats; it's crazy. Yeah, the uh, I iPad think is the other problem with it too. The iPad is supposedly using the EPUB format, mm. which I think will give that one a boost. But the Kindle is—I don't think going away anytime real soon. Amazon's mm. got too big a hook into the marketplace for that. Mm. Um, but yes, I I do have uh, four books up for Kindle right now, I think. The, the first Argea Trilogy plus Waterways. We're going to probably load out of position up there pretty soon. Mm. Don't know when, but we're talking about yeah. doing it this year. And we might actually load Shadow up this year, too. Okay. Well, this fellow saying like he pretty much only reads furry stuff, should he get an e-reader? If that's all you read, probably not the way to go for no, the immediate I've, future. I've got a netbook and a Furfinity account. Yeah. Although... Although, if he's got a friend who writes stuff for him, they can read that on the Kindle. Because I know that um, Tanzenlecht has a Kindle, and she reads all my stuff on it because I give it to her as a file. Yeah, and I think right. that's what he was saying, is you can upload PDFs mm. to the Kindle. And I know Fuzz, when he got his, he uploaded Trevor's tricks to it because he was making the Kindle read bits of right. Trevor's But that implies that it's a story that has been digitally created and is available in that form. Something like published books. Even, you know widely selling furry books at least within the fandom are not all available in digital format for the simple matter that for publishers to do that and to distribute them that way isn't isn't easy or simple or you know cheap at this time and it doesn't necessarily you know from a financial business model there's still finagling that has to work out for that it is still settling out although i will say that amazon makes it easier than just about any other platform i've seen 
I kind of like ebooks as a concept. I don't like the e-readers, but I really do like you know selling um, you know digital goods yeah. as a concept. So there is that as well, but that's kind of sidetracking. No, I agree. Um, and I think I do think that more and more people are again it, the the whole issue with reading and and publication in our you know everyday lives right now is. In order for people to read a bound book, a physical book, they have to make time in their schedule. So, you know, I guess sometimes you could do it at the gym. You could do it on public transportation if you commute to work that way. But most of the time, you have to set aside time to sit down and read. And while I do approve of that, and I try to do that whenever I can. I find that I almost I get more reading done when I can multitask. Like you know, during a workout at the gym, I can listen to a podcast. During driving in the car, I can listen to an audio book. Um, if I'm reading something, if I'm chatting with people online, I can read a book online in between chats and stuff. And so. It's not as immersive an experience as it is if you're just sitting down with a book. And, you know, for a really good book, yeah, I want to I want to sit down with the bound version of it and let myself get lost in it. But the truth is that a, more and more people, well, fewer and fewer people are reading at all. And the people that are reading, you want to be able to fit it into their lives as easily as you can. Well, my, my response to that is... If you have time to sit around and dick around on the internet, you have time to sit down and read a book. Mm-hmm. This is this is true, but unless you're going to go stand over every one of those people who's dicking around on the internet, you're not going to be able to get them to switch to reading a book unless you make it easy well, for them. No, but I mean, if if you're going to want to read something, then it's your job to make the time to do that like any other hobby. Right. What I'm saying is I approve of getting books out in different formats that make it easy for people that are not motivated enough okay. to make the time to do I that. I see what you're saying. Mm. Well, God damn it, get motivated, people. Yeah, I know. If you're listening what to this podcast, you should be a reader. Yeah, that that's a funny thing. And if too, you're not, I'll send Xavier around to beat you up. I'm, I'm certain <laughs> that our... Uh, that we're preaching to the choir here, that most of the people listening to this podcast actually probably do make time to read. Make time to read. Sometimes there's an orgasm at the end. <laughs> Sometimes at the beginning. I've written stories that have started with that. Uh-huh. Okay. Some I won't give I. details, though, because I don't want to make Fuzi's ears burn and fall off his skull. <laughs> yes. Next letter? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and read this, and hopefully Machosi <clears throat> doesn't feel cheated that the Otter and Fox did not actually read his letter, because we will respond to they it. Have. Hello, Otter and Fox. But not rat, because this person hates me. Sigh. Or doesn't um, know you were going to be on the podcast. Or that, or that. I'm just writing it, writing in to say thank you for making this podcast. You two, not three, have partially inspired me to pick up writing again after a year of depression and other life issues. Your tips on writing and the topics that you cover are both informative and entertaining. Nice to see two great authors putting their talents to good use. So you guys get all the love. As opposed to actually writing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
I am currently working on a novel and have big dreams about getting it published. I have won awards at school for my short stories, and my teachers have praised my work, so I'm pretty sure I can write well enough. But I'm wondering which publisher I should consult, as my novel is a lesbian love story directed to furries. Any suggestions would be welcome, as well as tips for submitting the story for consideration. Thanks for reading, and keep up the great work. From Matosi, or Makosi, or something along those lines, The Writing Jackalope. I realize I said his letter, but it might be a her also. I don't... That would make two writing jackalopes I know, though. Yeah? Hmm. Um, I don't know, Fuz, you probably know more about girl-on-girl erotic fiction than either Kyle or myself. (laughs) Yes, 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 I I, I assume I do. Stutter, stutter. (laughs) Gulp. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Blush. Fluster. You've flustered the rat. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned from, uh, learned by doing... Okay, should I crush this person's dreams, or are you guys going to f- feed them first? Um, go ahead and uh, go ahead and okay. do your crushing, and then we'll we'll okay, give our positive them. helpful okay. advice. I actually have a bunch of advice about submitting novels, especially to furry publishers. But okay, I'm just I'm just mean, so people should understand that I, I use a hacksaw on stories. That's that's how I work. Now, this person has big dreams about getting it published. Big dreams are just big dreams. They have won awards. I've won awards. Every. Everybody wins awards. Awards at school, particularly, are a normal part of the story. You know, being, you know, whether or not you write well enough is is the only way you can find that out is by submitting. And you know, this person does have the right idea there, but they they need to submit. But it's kind of strange that they're wondering which publisher they should consult because how many publishers in the fandom are there? There's Sofa Wolf. There's, like- there's Fur Planet. There's that's it really for novels. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think my big thing is that this person needs to sort of, you know, get a grip and realize that, you know, it sounds like they're doing it for the praise, really. I, I could be completely wrong here, but, you know, you can't you can't do this for the praise because you will have somebody mean like me, a lot meaner than me, who just come out and come out and say, no, I won't buy your story. And um, you, you kind of need to sort of understand that that will happen a lot so you know my suggestion is to keep the story under your pillow until you've written another one and another one and until you've gotten around to like the the third novel that you've written and then you can sort of start thinking about submitting that one but I'm just mean you are mean Um, Mm -hmm. you make a lot of good points but Uh, mean ones I will say I will say that um Praise from teachers and awards at school. You're you're correct in that they're part of the story, but they're part of the story for a certain class of people yeah. who've proven that at least they have a master they can spell. competence in the language. Oh, okay. And I will say that if you've gotten to that level, you're already ahead of probably two thirds of the. And that's a conservative yeah. estimate. Two thirds of the people in the fandom that are writing stories. Yeah, mm. I mean, I don't want it to sound like a situation like in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, but it's there is a little bit of that in that. Yeah, it's. Wait a minute, one-eyed monsters? I'm uh, scared. I wasn't going that way. Is there something we need to tell us, Foos? It's okay. <laughs> we're here. We're listening. <laughs> no, no, we discussed that thing that Foos is afraid of. 
And you promised you wouldn't do <laughs> it to me. We wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, but uh, this is no time for me to turn my backs on you guys, <laughs> especially here in the recording booth. <laughs> um, but what what I will say is the the reason that I, I'm gonna. You know, obviously, Fuse's recommendation of saying, put your first novel away, put it in a drawer, write another one, put that in a drawer, write another one, is kind of what a lot of us have done. I mean, I know I have two novels that are in my dresser drawers that are never going to see the light of day unless I... Because at this point, for me to release them, I would have to take them out and completely rewrite them, and I've yeah. got other projects that I'd rather focus yeah, my attention and on. And you probably don't care enough about them to really do them any justice. Yeah, not so much anymore. Yeah, I've got stuff like you know, I, you know, all through you know, late high school and college and just post college, you know, half written novels and things I had big giant plans for. It's just like pff, fell flat. You know, yeah, I'm done. Is- I'm never going to go back to them. I keep them around to look at, but I'm never going to do anything with them. But yeah. what I will say is this there is i was reading a a website today because i was looking for reviews of um, books and there was somebody who was talking about small press and he pointed out this was actually from like 2005 2006 so it's even a few years out of date but it's still applicable he said that the world of print on demand and the internet have let anyone publish their books and vanity presses always did that but it's even more prevalent today. What that means is that there's a lot of stuff out there that is of low, I'll I'll just say, that is not of the level of quality that published books that people had expected from published books for years and years and years up until print-on-demand of vanity presses became more popular. The reason that this is important is most of us today have grown had have not grown up in this world of print on demand. Most of us today have grown up with the concept that if a book is in print, there must be something about it that was good enough for someone to say this is worth printing. And that leads to and, and plus we're kind of conditioned from school that anything that's in print is worthwhile and believable and there's actually like a it's it's not a logical fallacy but it's this this kind of belief that we get ingrained to believe things that are in print and it takes a while to to deprogram that yeah um a couple hours on wikipedia will do it now but it used to take (laughs) a lot longer um so what, what i'm getting at in a very roundabout way is it is easy to go out pick up books that are published and there's a lot of crap that's published by mainstream publishing houses too yeah um it's easy to go out pick up books that are published and say my book is at least as good as this therefore it's worth being published and i think what you need to be really careful of is say pick up the books that you really like pick up the books that speak to you that you admire and say is my book you know worthy of these not necessarily you know i'm not saying pick up hemingway and and don't publish anything until you can write like hemingway or um i I picked up hemingway and i'm pretty convinced that i'm better than him but i'm delusional 
Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you see the point. I mean, yeah. don't yeah. don't set hugely high standards for yourself, but also make sure that you set some reasonable standards for yourself. Um, as far as, and yeah. you know, don't just say, well, my, my work's better than this gift star story. So yeah, yeah. there's, this is, um, every writer has a million words of crap to get through before they write anything decent. And I think that's still true. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I would say, like my biggest serious piece of advice is, okay, you've written this novel, you know, you're probably proud of it. Build your, for lack of a better word, build your street cred first. Work on things like short stories and see if you can get that published. If you're just running right out the gate, holding this novel above your head, and you know, this is like your big goal, like right out the starting gate, you are potentially setting yourself up for hugely damaging disappointment. And yeah. like we're saying, there aren't that many publishers in the furry world that you can really run and take it to. And you know, the thing to keep in mind with that is you can be like, like, you know, waving around like, Oh look, like I wrote this, you know, like really awesome novel. Well, you and everyone else, there are so many people out there who are like, Oh, I wrote this novel and yep. you, you need to find a way to distinguish yourself first so that they will bother to look at your novel. Cause going over a novel to see if it's worth publishing, that's a lot of effort and investment. And if there's like 50 people who are like standing next to you all saying, oh, hey, I wrote this novel, take a look at it. They're not going to want to look at all of those. They're going to want to only look at something if they have a reason to suspect that yours might be worth looking at. And that's why I'm saying, you know, build your street cred as a writer first before you try and try, start trying to shop your novel around. You will, you will vastly improve not only your chances of getting something published, but you, you have the side benefit of getting sort of things published in the meantime, which is very gratifying. I've been doing that myself for many years now. Uh, and, you know, so you increase your chance of that. And you also, like, really, you're doing yourself two other favors. You're potentially avoiding a crushing disappointment later on the line when your novel has no chance of getting published. And in the meantime, you're probably going to improve your writing ability. Mm. Um, the, one, the one thing that I will say, and this is kind of the little positive glimmer of hope that I'm going to toss out there. Mm -hmm. Because the fandom is so small, because there are only a couple publishers, the fandom still does act like a big community. And you can send your novel to SoFol, you can send your novel to Fur Planet, and SoFol, if they reject your novel, will tell you why. And they will say, here are the things that you know you need to work on in order to make this a more interesting property it's mm. and and that is sort of the last thing that that I would recommend and I, I know we hit this a lot but find a at least one or two people that you can pass your work around to whom you trust not people who are your friends and are going to say and are going to give you the mom review, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. honey, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, the mom review is doing any favors. Yeah, I'm just picturing Hirosaki's mom doing that. I'm just like, no. <laughs> oh, oh, honey. Sweetheart. Oh, honey, I love the way the gay people died at the end of your stories. <laughs> they usually don't die at the end. <laughs> well, no, they're. Anyway. <laughs> Sentence the lifetimes of torment. 
But mm. you know, honestly, in all in all seriousness, it's going to be real difficult to get your first novel published. But if you finish a novel, that's a great accomplishment. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Mm. If you finish a novel and go back and edit it and make it better and make it better, that is in itself another accomplishment. <laughs> you have taught yourself a skill at that point. And mm. get better at editing. And if you have to do that by critiquing other people's work, you know, that just makes you better at critiquing your own. Yeah. Because I can tell you if you write a first if you write a first draft of a novel and you send that around to publishers, they're gonna turn it down. Yeah. Yeah, I've been think, thinking about this for the last few weeks, and you see just the stuff that we've been talking about on the podcast. And I almost think that, you know, editing is an even more important skill than writing itself. Like, anyone can throw words down on a page. Not everyone can bring those to go back and pull those words off. Mm. Not everyone can throw words on a page either. Uh, well, I, I will say that that's the easy part in most in, in, of writing. That is that definitely for for a lot of amateur writers. That's the part where, that's the part they consider fun. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm wondering if this person doesn't need uh, an explanation of like the sort of mechanics of submitting and all that. Because I think that it sounds like they're curious about that. Most publishers have submission guidelines on their website. Yeah. Read mm. them. Become familiar with the kind of stuff the publisher publishes. And Read the submission guidelines again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're yeah. submitting a lesbian love story directed at furries and it has explicit lesbian sex in it, don't submit it to, you know... Uh, Christian book review. Christian book review, <laughs> exactly. Um, well, unless it'll be hilarious. <laughs> they'd probably keep it and pass it around the back room, but... Have you read the scandalous thing about squirrels and their hoo-hahs? It's so terrible. You must read it. Give it back to me when you're finished. Oh, was yeah. that um, was that the South Park episode with the book? No, no. Okay, because we did we saw part of the episode with the book. Yeah, yeah no, where the, they write the, the book. I, 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 that was that was from a few it's weeks. Terrible. Ago. We love it. Yeah. No, no, no. That, <laughs> that wasn't the one I was talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say I, I don't want to go too far into the mechanics of submitting because each publisher is kind of different. Also, if you listen to our live episode from Further Confusion, yeah, we have a great little segment on that already. That's true, and we mm -hmm. had a, a actual furry publisher to talk about it. So exactly, I think I think the big thing to remember though is that you end up going in something called a slush pile. Yes, and a slush pile is basically you and ten million of your closest peers trying to get published. So it can take a while. It's right next to the black hole that your resumes all disappear into when you're looking for jobs. <laughs> Indeed. Yep. Until we move on? Yes. Hirosaki-san. All right. Letter the fourth. Dear fanatics of fellatio, heyo from the little island across the pond again. It's your vibrant vulpine purveyor of porny prose, Candrel. I must apologize for my absence recently, but I've just completed my very first foray into the fandom's commercial kingdom as a creator, rather than a consumer. In short, I've finished my first commission. Excellent use of alliteration in that first paragraph, by the way. Well done, Kendall. I did like that. 
<laughs> For me, the entire process was a bit arcane, and I was hoping you might be able to help. I know the common laws of common sense and respect are paramount when undertaking a business adventure within the fandom, but I'd like to know if there's any particular words of advice you can offer to us budding authors. Are there particular things we should absolutely make sure of whenever the evil beast that is currency is about to change hands, or conversely, things we should categorically avoid? I'm afraid to make mistakes because all it takes is one serious misstep to turn a fun commission into drama, and drama is one of the things that internets never forgets. Thanks for your help and advice, Candrel the Prostate Apostate. And that closing plus the whole thing about, you know, the evil beast of currency just makes me think of like the horror of Babylon or something like out I know, of I feel like this is out of the book of Revelation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um have Foos, have you done any commissions? Several. Um what are your thoughts on it cuz I've I've only done them a couple times years and years ago, and I'm not sure if Iosaki's... I did, like, a gift request once, and I never even finished it. Wow. It so got to the point where I was like, I'm sorry, I can't finish your story. <laughs> doesn't count unless you get money for it. I'm sorry, bro. Well, I wasn't going to get money club. for it anyway. Yeah, yeah um, you're out of the club. So, um, so Foos, why don't you sort of start off with that? Yeah, I think the majority, just like briefly, I think the majority of commissions for fiction are for weird fetish material. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. You know, I mean, like the, the like the only ones that I ever hear about are stuff like like you know like male pregnancy and you know like weird transformation and you know stuff. I, I'm very vanilla. I'm straight. I'm scared by what Kyle and Hirosaki write. You know, so it's really scary. But in general, if you're doing a commission, you just need to sort of treat it as. Um, how to put it, you just need to sort of keep yourself professional and, you know, maintain suitable distance and, you know, keep the person who you're writing whatever for, you know, updated as to your progress. And I think it's generally kind of a bad idea to accept the money up front. I think you should wait until the thing's actually complete before you accept any finances for it. Yeah, agreed. But, um, you know, I, I think the, one of the big problems is that in general, you can't really know if the person that's commissioning you is going to be happy and you know you're going to, you can drive yourself absolutely mad about whether or not you've done well or anything and i think the, the the thing you've just got to do is get the thing done if they like it they pay you money stop worrying about it um try not to do it for people who are particularly close friends if they're particularly close friends do it as a favor only accept money from strangers like a hooker but you should but you should make sure that you're happy with the work because if you're getting paid, you're happy with the work. Well, quite frankly, right. But if yeah, you've 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 got to keep you've got to put something out there that you're happy to have your name on. Right. You know something that will, you know, you once once your name's out there, you've got to make sure that you know everything with your name tagged onto it will make you proud. And the the very few times that I've done anything like that, um, I was. Fortunate. I've only ever done it for one person, but um, I was fortunate in that he kind of gave me parameters, and then would let me develop the story around it. Mm. And he had told me enough of see when you're when you're doing as you say the the fetish stories. The key is not to say well they like Mpreg. The key is to say. What is it about the Mpreg that they like? And that is happens not to be the one that I was 
Right, and so, and I, I really am not super familiar with that, so I'm not sure what the attraction is. Like, so I'd have to, yeah. So I'd have to talk to someone and say, well, you know, if it's if it's Empreg, what is what's the attraction? Is it that you know there's this life it. growing inside a guy, <laughs> or is it the fact that you know a, it's putting the guy into that submissive role of carrying a child or TMI, TMI. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, but you're going to have to get into that TMI if you're going to write a good story about it. Well, I think the thing is, if you're going to write a story, uh, you know, like about a fetish, you should actually have that fetish yourself. Or, you know, why are you writing the story? You know, I don't, I don't I, agree with that. I, I, I don't agree with that, though. I will say one of my earliest stories, this was back like in my first year of putting furry fiction online, I specifically went out of my way to write a story about a fetish I didn't have to see if I could do it. And it's probably like one of my least favorite stories I've ever written. I don't think I did a good job with it, but it was also really early in my writing career. So, But was it a popular? No, not really. Because mm. mm. I, I at least... It, it wasn't a very weird fetish. It just wasn't one that I have. So it was. It's, it's still online. You can find it. I think if you understand what it is that appeals to people, um, <coughs> excuse me, if you understand what it is that appeals to people, then you can write a story that explores those elements of it. And part of that depends on the commissioner explaining to you exactly what he wants. I mean, if somebody tells you, I want to see a story about, uh, you know, Joe and Bob, and there are Fox and wolf couple and the you know joe gets pregnant and then they have a kid it's like that you're like don't well, don't make me male pregnant you the wolf shouted at the fox and the fox secretly blushed <laughs> don't make me write this story it would be terrible <laughs> oh god continue your comment kyle i i know what our extemporaneous porn story is going to be now <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um but Stay tuned after the podcast. There'll be cake and male pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, my joke about that is, you know, Kit and I keep trying, but haven't succeeded so far. Oh, just wait for the third writing challenge we do now, mister. (laughs) Oh, God. I swear to God, I won't. (laughs) You better not, because I will pull this podcast right over and turn it around. (laughs) All right, back to Winnipeg. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you are you are going to have to at least understand the fetish. Um, if you're writing a fetish story, if you're writing a fetish story, which, as you said, most commissioned stores within the fandom are going to be fetish most stories because taken. there's things people are going to want to see that they can't get anywhere else. Most of the ones I've taken, however, have not been fetish stories. Oh well, good on you. Yeah, but the way that I think. A good way that this works, and this works for any commission, you know, I've, I've had art commissions where we chat back and forth about the idea, the artist sends the pencils, then, you know, I kind of look at the pencils and say, I like this and this, can you change this? And it's at the pencil stage, so it's easy for them to make the changes. And once I'm happy with the pencils, then they go ahead with the ink and color. And that's yeah, kind of how you work with a story. I mean, you send them drafts of the stories that's in progress. Mm-hmm. They'll send you back ideas about where things are going to go. And if you have a good commissioner, they'll understand that 
you will write a better story if you're allowed to feel like you have some investment in it. Mm-hmm. Outlining is very, very useful. Yes. Mm. Despite the fact that I never do it. You can also, um, you know, sort of put together something like a pitch document to send them, you know, which is just, you know, sort of like the, you know, the back of the book blurb and, you know, like the trailer version as you, you know. So, you know, that, that's another useful tool when dealing with commissioners. Good point. This part mm. of the end says that Padme dies of a broken heart. Are you sure you don't want to change that before you finalize this shit? <laughs> Hirosaki's been watching the Star Wars review. No, I'm not bitter at all. I can't tell if you're still doing the review with that line or not. No, that that no, that was just me inspired by what you were just saying. Ah. Uh, no, no, that mm. was my own line. Anyway, good uh well good for you, Condrell. Glad the commission went well, hopefully went well. And uh mm. you know, if you want to offer more, go for it. If it if you find it's working for you. Um I don't do them anymore at this point because I have enough of my own work and while it was a fun challenge while I was doing it, I have plenty of other ways to challenge myself now. Yeah, and I'm not really interested in doing them myself because I have a hard enough time writing my own ideas that I don't think I'd in all conscience be able to accept money to write somebody else's. (laughs) How much do you charge, Kyle? Um... You know, I don't like to talk about money, but uh, I will say that the over a couple of years, this was mm. like five or six years ago, but over a couple of years, I made enough to pay for a new laptop. Mm. You really hoard yourself out then. Yes. Yes. It's very. I find, it, I find the process is very much like being a hooker, <laughs> you know, so a dead <laughs> one. It is. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, and we're cutting that conversation off right now. Why don't you read our last, at you. Why don't you read our last email, Kyle? I guess why don't I read our last email? Part five. I figure you guys may be interested in the progress. Oh, this is from Pyro, by the way. Uh, I figure you guys may be interested in the progress of the story I called myself out on on your podcast with. Out on your podcast with. Wow. Uh, anyway, you know the challenge one with the wet black rats at Super Bowl parties carrying lube with an added ingredient in the back room of barbecue places. Why are you guys looking at me like this? <laughs> You're the black rat. Um, it doesn't say gay black rats. Just wet ones. Just wet ones with lube. At Super Bowl and parties. straight couples use lube too. Although, do they have barbecue places in the UK? Can can anyone get, like, women to a Super Bowl party, though? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, maybe. You see, I've never been to one because I'm on the wrong country. Uh, That could be. Football is a different thing over there. Mm. Can you get women to your uh, super football soccer championship parties? I believe if you can, they're the kind who will sort of, like, gloss you in the face. Only only if it's Manchester United. And then they will definitely gloss you in the face. Yeah, see? Man you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really gay when you say it like that. 
dude, I do not want a bunch of angry Manchester United fans coming over here and say it's like how they don't know where a- we live. Accusing you of calling them all poofs. We don't need that. We don't need that kind of scorn, Kyle. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said the name in their club sounded like something people would yell at a gay bar. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sure the Manchester City fans are very happy about that. <laughs> I think you guys better start running now. Anyway, back to Pyra's letter. I'm trying to get 200 words a day down on it, which should give me over 2,000 by the deadline. I think the hardest part was coming up with some kind of coherent narrative through all the diverse themes you threw at me to play with, but I found something after about two false starts that I can dig. Dude, if you've done that, you've already succeeded. Yeah, no kidding. Probably the hardest part in that endeavor is carving out time to write it in, but I figure if I do it right before bed, I should have some kind of creative spark. So far, so good. Though I envision getting the characters from point A to point F, for fucking, will be the most interesting part. Anyway, cheers, Pyro. P.S. I think I want another handle. Nothing too different, though. Any suggestions? Porno for so Pyro? That, oh, wow. Nice reference. I haven't thought of them in, like, over a decade. Sorry, what was that, Foos? So, is that the question? What his handle is? What his new handle should be. Um, We could... We could give him a baller name, but... I was going to say, you could go from Pyro to Flamer, but I don't think he'd appreciate that. I'm not sure he would. I think he's actually straight, too. Mm. Or at least he claims Although, to be. you wouldn't know it from the androgynous robot fox story. Yeah. But, and I also just... His letter makes me want to say, the F is for fucking. <laughs> <laughs> the S is for socks. <laughs> The S is for sodomy. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> no, no, I'm sorry. We have a we have a straight rat. The S is for straight sex. Sure it is. Sure it is. That's its own weird fetish, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's probably why I get commissioned to write it. <laughs> Look at you jumping on the uh, jumping on the train. Jump it on the man train. Oh my god, it is not the train. Damn it. Can I get all the coincidence? Stop. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I think he just wants a new nickname. So, yeah, well, if we, if we were to give him a baller name, um,. I don't know what we'd call him. I don't know if P-Wolf's taken. P-Sting. No, that sounds terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah. Yeah, there, there's a reason I didn't go for that oh one. Oh, God. Why? Why didn't my brain see it before my mouth said it? Because <laughs> you're not drinking your wine. Uh, I needed something to slow down my reaction time. Bad daughter. Damn Very your coffee. Say that again, Foos. It's a bad otter. It is, it is bad, a bad otter. Bad. I am very bad. Um, yeah, so if he doesn't want to go by Pyro Stinger, I'm not sure where Pyro Stinger comes from, but he, he does go, his Gmail account does say Pyro Wolf. So he's a wolf, so what would... Right, but isn't his his actual like handle is Pyro Stinger, right? Yeah. But, that's what but he I think he's under. just shortening it to Pyro. That's his new handle. Pyro? Yeah. If it's normal. <laughs> He's fixed it up for himself. What if we made it like Piero? P-I-E-R-O. 
not like Piero. I was thinking like the clown, clown. <laughs> but <laughs> well, maybe not. Um, I'm saying nothing's more horrifying to me than the mental image of a clown on fire. <laughs> oh, we could just give him an S and call him Spyro. <sighs> Spyro the Stinger. <laughs> Spyro the copyright violation. <laughs> but then all his stories would like the first three parts would start out really good and then it would turn to it's crap. It's like it's like <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It's like I went from being this like, you know, like intimidating black wolf to a gay purple dragon. <laughs> Kia Fox would be so jealous. Hey girl. I will flap my wings and breathe fire. <laughs> Wow, we're getting punchy. We should wrap this up. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna extend that challenge out to our listeners here. Um, think of a new nickname for Pyro. <laughs> oh, God, this can only end in tragedy. I know, but it's at least going to be amusing. <laughs> so instead of like putting out challenges to Pyro, now we put out a challenge to everyone for Pyro. Well, yeah, we have to give something back. I mean, he's given us one story and he's working That's on true. another one, and we're just giving back to the community. We're we're giving back to our our faithful listeners. I think between um, Kaz and Candrel, we'll have plenty of fun things. Oh, yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I think, um... Yeah, so send in send in your suggestions. I don't know. If he doesn't want anything too different, I'm not sure. Like, does he mean change one letter? Pico? Something along the same theme? Pito? Backwards? Tyro? Tyro's not bad. Hmm. I don't know what it means. Tyro, isn't that like a like a newbie? T Y R O. Yeah. Like so, like a greenhorn or something like that. Uh, it means I it, I think it means something, but I'm not sure what. I thought that's what it meant. I don't know. But anyway, our uh, our wolf has given us a signal that we're we're running about an hour, mm-hmm. and we keep talking. And he's saying... He's making nice muzzle gestures at us. <laughs> After the podcast, case K-Tech. After the podcast. Hey. <laughs> you don't get to watch. Thank God for the buffer of sweet, sweet technology. I'm far <laughs> away. Thank God. Thank God you're across an ocean. And we appreciate you getting up in the morning to join us on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It gives me like sort of start on my stalking people. Excellent. Do you have um? Do you have any final words for the listeners on publication or anything? I'm sure this won't um, be the last time we'll have you on. Publication is very very hard. It's evil. It's terrible. Run away from it. Don't do it because essentially you're all um, competing with me, and I don't need the competition because you all are fabulous and will totally wipe me off the floor so don't do it words to live by <laughs> foosball he'll fuck you up <laughs> <laughs> yeah man eat squeak motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> oh can we keep that as a sound bite for our show there <laughs> kit's on it we have a little button we can just push to have that sound go off <laughs> I want that to be my text message like alert sound now. Wow, you know, I think I think you could keep saying that for another hour and Hirosaki would continue to be amused, so 
<laughs> hey, you know what? If something awful has proved anything, is that if something is funny once, repeating it a thousand times makes it a thousand times as funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to okay, see I think detailed so proof of that. We need to sort of, yeah, I think I think you know we just need to sort of have like one of those echo reverb effects, and and we'll test that out right after the show. You you have to do it in your Bruce Willis voice. Eat yes, squeak, motherfucker. <laughs> Eat squeak, mother falcon. <laughs> no, That's C4 TV version. Now my mind's just going to bad places now. Send us in your your questions about writing and stuff. Send us in uh, nicknames for Pyro. Send in your comments about foosball for the next time we have him on the show. And uh, send all that to the email address at unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're also on FA as Unsheathed, where you can find notifications of episode posting and other events. Yep. We're going to do a live event sometime this summer, even if we only have like an audience of two in our studio, but hopefully we'll do something a little bigger. Yeah. Um, you can, uh, foosball, where can people find your work and follow you online? Foosball on FA, but that won't help them because you spell it funny. It's F-O-O-Z-Z-Z-B-A-L-L on FA. And you can email me at foosball at sinisbeautiful.com in case you absolutely love me. You can also go to sinisbeautiful.com to find his stories. He has some stories up on F.A. and a series. Are your uh, Sersley journals still up on F.A.? Somewhere, yeah. I, I think they're, uh, you can find them in my profile information. Okay. Uh, he has a Sersley series, which is a really good guide to write in. So if you're curious about certain aspects, uh, you know, foosball's take on writing, which is what actually I think first got me talking to him was reading mm. those articles and thinking, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, check those out. I got to talk to him because you told me he was cool. Yes. Um, you can find me on F.A. as Kyle. You can find me on Twitter as Kyle Gold. Um, you can find my email pretty much at kylegold.com. You can probably find him out behind the bar Pretty house. fox at kylegold.com. <laughs> Uh, yes, but knock first. <laughs> uh, and other foxes know what happens if you don't knock. You get a sexy story. Uh, you can find me at Cam Hirasaki on Live Journal, Cam Hirasaki on Twitter, Cam Hirasaki on uh, FA, and uh, and here and here at Unchi- you can listen to my dulcet tones, yep. my yappy little ottery muzzle. Ottery muzzle just inches from that long Fish. microphone. My Kinsey scale, it hurts. <laughs> uh, you need to get that thing recalibrated. Well, it hurts the first time. You get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you again, Foosball. Thank you all thank for you listening guys. and writing in. I apologize that I'm a horrible person. Keep sending us questions. And good night.